Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How do you navigate a situation in which your birth plans must be modified? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 201 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Jocelyn, mama to three with three very different birth stories. Today, we'll hear about Jocelyn's experience in the birth center, in the hospital, and finally at home. Now, before we jump in, I do want to give some exciting news. The waitlist is officially open for the Home Birth Collective, the January to March cohort. So if you are wanting to make sure that you are prepared when applications are open and we are accepting our new slot of cohort members, go ahead and join that waitlist. You go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash collective. And if you're wondering, well, why do I want to join? Let me just tell you the first cohort, which finished quite a number of weeks ago, they are still meeting every single week in our alumni Facebook group because they love each other so much. So you gain not only curriculum, like very well-documented childbirth education, plus this acceptance and excitement for motherhood that we dive into by focusing on things like, well, what defines a successful birth? And how do we hone in on our boundaries? How do we release fear? And what is the role of fear in birth? All of the physiology, all of the coping techniques, but not only that, this incredible bonded for life sisterhood. As these mothers are having their babies, there is such joy and celebration. Questions are being asked. Opinions are being given. Prayers are going out. It is something that I could have never imagined on my own. I am so grateful that the Lord created this and that I get to be a part of it. So if you are ready for this amazing journey with the most aligned women, these home birth mothers who have the same thoughts, desires, feelings as you, the same perspectives, make sure that you hop on that wait list. All right, let's waste no more time and jump straight into this episode with Jocelyn. Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you. Would you mind just taking a moment here at the beginning to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Well, yeah, my name is Jocelyn. I'm a wife and mother of three little boys. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I work as a nurse practitioner in internal medicine, and actually my husband is home full-time with our boys. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise we live in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota, so um I, we're involved with our church there. I'm one of our um, co-leads for our working moms group, which is awesome. And I enjoy like spending time with my kids and baking sourdough and being on the lake and doing all sorts of fun Minnesota stuff in summer and in winter. So yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. Well, let's let's talk about your uh, your birth history. So you've got three three children. Yep. What was your uh, kind of journey into pregnancy and that first pregnancy like? Yeah. Um, 
my first, uh, we got married when we were 23 and we didn't want to have kids right away. So, um, my first was, uh, born when I was 29. So we were married for a little while. Um, that summer before, um, I got pregnant with my son, I'm the oldest of three daughters. Um, and then my middle sister died, unfortunately, of, uh, a cardiac arrest in her sleep when she was 26. So that was a big, like, traumatic event. Um, I got pregnant, um, like six months later or something like that. So physically the pregnancy wasn't too, um, rough, but it was, um, emotionally hard. Um, just cause I was like grieving loss of my sister and I hadn't really had any like traumatic, tragic events happen before. And so that kind of opened up a lot of anxiety. So I remember, um, one of my first appointments, the uh, nurse midwife was like, when you come back in four weeks, you will have seen a therapist. I was like, oh, okay, I will go find one. Yeah, um, but yeah, we, yes. But yeah, we had gotten pregnant pretty quickly. I had, um, my mother had us um, like in the 80s and 90s in uh, a hospital, but with nurse midwives and unmedicated and stuff. So that had kind of planted a seed of like me being interested in natural birth um, kind of from the beginning. Um, so I had done a lot of like reading and things like that even before we got pregnant, but I knew that I wanted an out of a hospital birth. Um, and I knew that I was wanting to do hypno babies. And so I kind of had a lot of things planned that I like to plan. Um, so yeah, we had chosen, um, a birth center here in the twin cities, the Minnesota birth center. Um, I didn't really like consider home birth at all. Um, with that first birth, I don't think I, I didn't really know anyone that had done it. And, um, I didn't have a good understanding of like the research and, and the safety behind it and things like that. So, but I knew I didn't want to be in the hospital unless I had to. So, um, so yeah, we really liked our care there. My, I didn't have any morning sickness. So I really feel for all the ladies that are so nauseous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we didn't have that mainly just, um, like some secretly a joint pain and then just kind of emotionally like grieving. Um, you just got to go through that process with, um, still kind of grieving my sister's death. Um, but yeah, otherwise kind of things went along smoothly. Um, so we were planning to birth at the birth center. Um, they have, they are a freestanding birth center, but they actually are like a block away from the hospital. So they actually have um, like admitting privileges at the hospital, which is unique. Um, it's kind of nice if you need to transfer, they can come with you. Um, but you know, you have your midwife and the nurses. So I had, and I was, I done, was doing the baby's course. So I thought like, I don't need a doula. Um, and then we were getting further along in the pregnancy and they're like, you know, I think baby's posterior. And so they're starting to make me nervous about that. So I, um, you know, my husband and I were talking about it and he's like, you know, you only have one first birth. And I was like, that's so true. So I'm good for him. So Seriously. he's like, you know, I think you should. <laughs> I know. So, um, like at 36 weeks, I was like, I'm going to try to start finding a doula very late. Um, and I happened to reach out to one and I also wanted one that was like burst in hip babies. So I wanted a specific thing too. Um, and then I found our doula, Laura, she like happened to have openings. I emailed her at like 36 weeks. We met at 37 weeks and then he was born at 38 weeks. So, wow. um, I think it was definitely like God, part of God's plan that we, um, uh, found her. So, um, so yeah, but otherwise I was like, as we were during the end of pregnancy, I was, um, I knew I'm like most, but you know, most first babies go to 41 in some days. So I was like I'm planning for 42 weeks, you know, so much so that like, I didn't have things quite ready. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't advise that tactic either, but, um, like we hadn't raped any leaves. He was born in the fall. And like, I think I didn't have like nursing shirts or tank tops or bras, or there was something I needed for rescuing that I hadn't even bought. 
Um, but anyways, I um, had been doing you know, just my normal things and I um, we had been going to the chiropractor because of um, him being posterior and I'd gone that afternoon and she's like, I think he's turning. So, um, and then that night went to bed, woke up at midnight to my water breaking, um, which I was shocked by. Um, I was also uh, GBS positive. So I, um, so I went and told my husband and then called the birth center and they're like, yeah, come on in so we can confirm. So we're, so we live in Maple Grove and the birth center is in Minneapolis. So it's like a 30 minute drive. Um, so we went and drove there in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, yes, your water's broken. Gave me a dose of antibiotics. Um, so we were doing the one that you have to do every four hours. And so they, um, the plan was normally to come back, but they said, you know, okay, well, that would be like five in the morning. So why don't we give you a dose to take home? You, you know, you're a medical professional, you can do it. And I was like, okay, great. But they wouldn't let me do the other ones at home. Just that one. But yes, at least I got a little bit. But I, of course, was like, I couldn't sleep. Like I was too excited and nervous and mildly uncomfortable. I wasn't really having any waves or anything like that. Um, so, um, and we actually, so we had done the Hip Babies course um, and we actually hadn't, hadn't quite finished. Um, that that couple days later was supposed to be the last, um, was supposed to be the last class. So like I was actually missing some of the tracks. So I was like texting our, our instructor to get them. Give me the tracks. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and we had, you know, I had done like my own practice, but like the last class was but yeah, the, um, at the birth center there, they, um, were very like, I, I liked them a lot, but they were very like, okay, it's been, you know, we want your baby born by 24 hours, you know, studies show they need to be born by 24 hours. And, um, so they were putting a lot of like pressure on me with regards to that. Um, and so, um, so I wasn't like really resting, like I was trying to do all the things and walking and squatting and you know <laughs> trying to get it started um eventually they did recommend doing castor oil so we went and got that and meanwhile we're also back and forth to the birth center every four hours which like you know a half hour there Ooh. half hour back getting your medicine you know, the antibiotic there like it was it was ridiculous um <laughs> in retrospect but um yeah so um we were there for like the evening dose and i was like exhausted because i've been up since midnight the night before and the nurse went up and was like, well, no one's here right now in labor. Like, why don't you just stay and, you know, try to rest. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. So we got to stay and rest, tried to sleep, but I couldn't. And then um, finally, like, things started to pick up. Um, so After you've not around, slept. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, shouldn't I just take a nap? But I couldn't. I, I get like that, too. If I get too much pressure on myself, I just can't take a nap. But um, um, so... I, uh, around nine, uh, 9.20, we called our doula. Um, cause like, as I was trying to, I think as I was almost like falling asleep, like waves started to get really intense and I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Um, so we called our doula and had her come over. I remember before she got there, I was like trying to get my, trying to get my husband to like read the prompts. And it was like, oh, you know, we were just kind of fumbling with the little, book and trying to calm down so we're like we need you um but she got there and it was just like um just like an instant calm like she has a very calming presence and so I instantly felt better um 
once she was there. So, um, and she suggested like some different positions and then um, eventually she had me uh, get in the shower and that was like huge relief. Like I was able to actually like relax and smile and, and things like that. I remember she'd asked me before I got in the shower, she was like, Hey, truth clearing, like, tell me what you're thinking. And I was like, I understand why people get up at girls. <laughs> so but the shower was like awesome. And that's the one nice thing about a birth center is like they have unlimited hot water. So like I was in that shower for probably an hour and a half. So, um, which I could not do at home, <laughs> but, um, so, um, they checked me at 10 30. And I was at three centimeters, but I didn't find out, which was um, what they recommend in HIPAA babies. And I think it's just a good idea anyway, because mm-hmm. um, you're not discouraged. And I would have totally been discouraged because right. it was like, very intense. So, um, and actually, like, those were, like, the least comfortable parts of his birth, really. Just wow. I mean, I get that. Yeah. But that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, the worst. Um, and... So they checked me at 1030 and I was three centimeters. And like I said, I didn't find out, which was good because it would have been uh, discouraging. Um, and I think I would, I would have been in the shower. So then I think I went back in the shower. Um, and then um, they checked me at 1245 and I was seven centimeters. I didn't find out. Actually, like right after that check, I got up and started feeling like some downward pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, my doula had kind of noticed. So she asked them uh, if she could start filling the tub and they were kind of like oh yeah whatever it was and I don't know if it was just because we were there like early like before we were like supposed to be officially there um but we like our midwife and nurse were like hardly ever in there so mm-hmm. it didn't really feel like and which I don't know, I guess wasn't bad but it didn't seem like we had a total lot of like support from them and I think maybe just they didn't realize like right I mean they were checking but um it didn't seem like they were there very much so the she the doulas you know they do start filling up the tub at 12 45 and so I was staying there with my husband and just like, just felt like, kind of felt like a train was running through you, just like having all that. I mean, it was, I guess, the beginning of like fetal ejection reflex, just kind of downward pressure and just a lot of, and so I just kind of, we kind of swayed and stood. And then when the tub was finally ready, I got in and then probably like a minute or two later, his head popped out. Oh my <laughs> word. I know. So I, I always say that his birth was like half a water birth. Um, and he actually- <laughs> with a um like a noodle hand and so like after his after his head was out the midwife for some reason started getting really like she was like push your baby out push your baby out and I was like what are you talking about can you <laughs> <miss back? laughs> I tried but I was in that kind of half reclined position with my husband behind me so it was like awkward and and then she was like okay out of the tub out of the tub and I was like, like all right um so I'm like getting awkwardly out of the tub <laughs> and then onto the onto the floor, like on hands and knees. And um, they're like, push your baby out. Like for whatever reason, she was like really yelling. I'm not sure why, and I never really got answers, but uh, I tried, wasn't able to like just for a push. And then my doula like leaned down and like said quietly, you know, try curling around your baby. And I did that and then, you know, one push and he was out. So, um, so yeah, and he, um, yeah, otherwise then we kind of got on the bed there and, he did latch and they gave me a Pitocin and then his placenta came out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, like I said, otherwise he was, um, he was, it went smoothly. Like I said, and I never really got, like I asked answers at my postpartum appointment of like, so like was, was he having D cells? Like was, what was the brush? And they're like, Oh no, it was fine. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe next time. No. 
And it was funny because my, my doula is a, a very, well, now she's even more an experienced doula, but she had several years of experience at that point. And um, she had said that she'd been in other births with her and she'd been more laid back. So she's like, I wonder if she just had like an emergency happen or something that she was not calm uh, yep. like yeah. normally or whatever. So, um, but yeah, and we, so the birth center, you go home after like five or six hours. He was born at 105. Um, and so then we all went home at 630 that morning. Wow. That's, I think what's interesting is that, you know, once again, it just shows how your cervix is a symptom. It's not a root. Like, you know, the fundus raising up is what's causing the cervix to pull back. And so just because your cervix isn't dilating in a specific amount of time, like that doesn't mean that things aren't happening. You yeah. said that you were checked at what, 10 something. And you, was that when you were three centimeters? Yeah. At 1030, I was three centimeters. And you had a baby. I was seven, yeah. It's 1245, seven centimeters. And then at 105, he was born. So, um, <laughs> wow. So I tell people it was like a fast, but slow or a slow, but fast birth, you know, cause right. it was, you know, a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing, um, but yeah, yeah. Nothing, but like an intense, nothing <laughs> that like back yeah. and forth and back and forth. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, wow. So yeah, so we went home that morning and I just like could not sleep. So I was just like, you're so like excited. And like I had, after he was born, I had, I just felt like on top of the world. I was like, this is harder than running a marathon. I'm so proud. <laughs> so, um, but I couldn't sleep. And so I was awake for 25 hours by the time he was born. So I probably was up for about 48 hours by the time I was able to oh, sleep, um, which is like not recommended. Um, so um, and then we had like our postpartum visit in the home at 24, like 24 hours, or whatever. And he, um, had jaundice. So like he already had an elevated belly ribbon at that point. Um, so then we had, uh, my mouth was a little bit slow to come in and, um, his jaundice levels got worse. Um, and so we actually did Billy lights at home for like a week. Um, we, and he was like those first of those first several days, like he was just, you couldn't put him down. Like he would just cry. Yeah. And so when we went for, I think one of his appointments, they're like, you know, I think you need to start supplementing, which I was like upset about. Um, but we did, I, I didn't have anyone really to get donor milk or didn't know who to ask. So we did some formula. Um, and he actually only needed it for three days, but, um, that he was actually like full and slept. I felt so bad. It's like we've been starving this poor boy. Um, but obviously he needed to be eating more for his jaundice. Um, I said he had, he almost got admitted to the hospital. And I sometimes wonder if that would have been a little bit easier um, just because I don't know, extra help. They, it's your first, you don't know. And they, um, you know, kind of put us on like a triple feeding schedule. So I nursed him and then I pumped and then we finger fed him. And so like really only had three days of formula supplementation. The rest was breast milk, but um, we did that for four weeks. And like now I've heard people be like, oh, you're only supposed to stay for like a week or two. I'm like, they told me to keep on doing it. Like I went back at the four week period. I'm like, so what do we do? Like, can we stop? And they're like, oh yeah, I guess. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, we had to like set alarms and stuff. Yeah. Not what I wanted to do. Cause I had read a lot about like breastfeeding and wanted to just kind of feed on demand. But obviously with like that job of a baby, you, you have to be waking them up. Well, and I guess the, the frustrating part is like, so you went, you went like no sleep before you had your baby. You had a hard time sleeping after, and then yeah. you're getting on this rigorous schedule. Like that is hard, Jocelyn. 
It was, and I we my parents are in town, but um, are working. Um, my in-laws live out of town, and we like we had not uh, we had planned. I'm like, well, we don't think we want too many people over, uh, which that some people that's kind of how they like it. Uh, we learned from that one. We're like, no, accept all of the help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. Um, we like my parents did come help some, and um, obviously there was the two of us. Except my husband, he's a stay-at-home dad, so it was two of us that still with your first baby and kind of with the feeding stuff and you know kind of a colicky infant. It was it was a rough kind of start, but um, I was very determined that I was like I'm going to have a breastfed baby if I at all can. Um, I really did not want to be exclusively pumping. Um, just it's so much work. Um, so I was yeah, and I knew too like with my um, goal of like really wanting to have an exclusively breastfed baby, like I knew that my mental health would suffer if I stopped, you know? Mm. Um, some people it's the opposite, you know, they need to give it up and that's, you know, that's okay too. But like for me, I knew like, this is something that's really important to me and I will be up, you know, I will regret it if I give up. So we pushed through and then he just, he was like the, like the little engine that could, he was just a little guy that grew and grew and grew and he ended up uh, breastfeeding for 23 months and uh became a big boy and so it ended up being fine so I always tell people you know if if it's something really important to you it's worth the the work and you know if you can get past those like first four to six weeks it usually gets a lot better um so it's just a matter of can you overcome those hurdles because it's that's of course when you're at your most tired and burned down and and everything so yeah (laughs) wow that was definitely a an intense start to motherhood there so what yes. was it like uh, becoming pregnant? And when? what's the age difference between your first and second? So my first and second are um, exactly three years apart. So they actually have the same due date, um, although oh. they were born a week apart. But they were the same due date, which is fine. Um, yeah, my first, because he was such a handful, like, um, we didn't even, like, think about, um, like, until he was two, I couldn't even think about getting pregnant. I was like, right. too much work. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, when he was over two, um, we got pregnant actually the first month of trying so we were very blessed to not have fertility issues um and yeah so that was exciting um and especially finding out like they had the same due date which was fine um my that pregnancy went pretty smoothly um except for i started having like acid reflux for like six weeks on which i did not have in my first pregnancy and i still don't really know what why but you know it just was <laughs> but it was bad so like i started on medication and um, you know, made it hard to eat things. It wasn't morning sickness, but well, I guess that was good. <laughs> but it was still pretty miserable. Um, but otherwise, things were good. Um, we um, were, so we went back to the same place before, the Minnesota Birth Center. I said I'd enjoyed my experience there. I mean, they have like beautiful rooms and they make, they bring you like fresh baked bread after you have your baby with honey on it. And, you know, they're nice. It's, it's nice. That really is. That's amazing. <laughs> You know, I was like losing the thought of not having unlimited hot water for this last birth. I was like, how are we going to do it? <laughs> um, they, they are a bigger group. So they, I think for my, for when I was there with my second, I don't know if they were already like a group of 10 midwives. Now they have more than 10. So they're very, very large. Um, and they are all kind of one group. So you are, you're supposed to just like see all of them to get to know them. But it, that was like one thing I didn't like as much about it, but Anyways, for that birth, but we were happy to be planning back there. Um, we did our ultrasound at 20 weeks, um, and we were super excited. We were going to find out if we were going to have another boy. Um, otherwise, we really wasn't thinking much about it. Um, 
the the owner or the founder of the uh, birth center is a perinatologist, Dr. Calvin. And so he also reads their ultrasounds. Um, and so we had our ultrasound, found out he was a boy. I remember like ah! while we were, we were watching the ultrasound, um, I saw that his head was measuring like three weeks ahead, but I didn't think anything of it. I was, I should have said medical, but I was just like, oh, my first child has a big head too, you know, not really realizing that at that stage of gestation, yeah, they're all pretty similar. Um, so we got a call that night. We found out he was a boy. So we got a call um, that evening, or I think it was, he actually like texted me, but was like, hi, this is Dr. Calvin. Can I call? I was like, okay. My husband was putting Rainer, our first child, to bed. And so, you know, I answered and he called, you know, called and said, you know, your son, his ventricles were enlarged on the ultrasound. So I think unfortunately he probably has hydrocephalus. And so that was just like a huge shock. Um, I knew what hydrocephalus was. So you have um, the ventricles inside your brain is where the cerebrospinal fluid is, like the water inside your brain. Um, his were enlarged. Uh, and there's a lot of different reasons that can happen. Um, it's actually like about one in 2000 live births. So it's actually one of the most common neurological birth defects. Um, but anyways, um, so anyways, it was just a huge shock and, um, it was just scary and it was like the end of June. And so, um, the next week was 4th of July. So we couldn't get into perinatology that week. So we had to wait like a full two weeks and it was a very painful long wait because it's just, you know, all the unknowns. Um, Dr. Calvin had said like, so we'll send you to the perinatologist and then, um, you know, they'll probably get you set up with a neurosurgeon. And he at that time was like, you know, you might still be able, you'll have to birth at the hospital, but maybe our midwives can be there. Um, you know, it's kind of where he left it. Um, but anyways, that like two week wait was, it was, it was a unique type of torture, just waiting in the unknown. And, um, so anyways, we get to that appointment and, um, they were perinatologists, you know, their, their specialty is high risk pregnancies. And, um, so they tend to be kind of like pessimistic in general, just because that's their area, but, um, they were like relatively positive, you know, they were, they kind of said, you know, I don't, we don't know what his like outcome will be. You know, some kids will have, um, like very normal development. Other kids will be severely developmental delayed. You know, it's just, we don't really know who's who his like ventricle size technically was severe. Um, in the severe category, but as I later learned, um, I joined a, there's a, a hydro, a hydrocephalus group on Facebook and they have wonderful information there. Um, but as I later learned, like his was technically severe, but there are kids with much, much larger, um, ventricles than his. So, um, so yeah, so we saw them and they were, they were probably the first ones who brought up, like, you know, you may not be able to have vaginal birth. Um you know, most babies with hydrocephalus, um, because as the, the fluid increases in the head, then the head increases accordingly. And so, um, you can end up with like, almost like toddler sized heads, you know, where, you know, you're not making it out. Um, and so that was like really discouraging to hear because I really wanted another vaginal birth and, um, just, you know, it was very upsetting. It was just a lot of a grieving process and, um, they referred us to a neurosurgeon. Um, so we met with him and before we did that, we had to wait till like 28 weeks for baby to be a little bigger to get good images, but we did a fetal MRI, um, which was not fun. It was just lying in there for an hour and a half, but, um, we got the images and it showed that he is, his is due to something called aqueductal stenosis. So there's a narrowing in between the third and fourth ventricle in the brain. And so because of that, then it like swells above. Um, it's the most common cause. Um, sometimes it's a sex linked, uh, disorder, um, 
they can, they did offer us like amniocentesis to do testing before, but we, um, we didn't, um, cause we're like, well, I don't need that information right now. Mm-hmm. So, and it, there is a risk with amniocentesis. So they're like, well, it's not, you know, the long, if you're later in pregnancy, it's not just risk. I'm like, well, I, yeah, for us, it was not worthwhile cause it was not mm-hmm. the risk we were willing to take. So, and it wasn't going to give us needed information. Um, yeah. And it was, we like, since I, the perinatologists were not my favorite, but um, I think overall they were, they did a good job with us. I've heard from like other families of uh, parents with hydrocephalus that, you know, the doctors were really pushing hard for them to like terminate their pregnancies and things like that. And we never got any of that, thank goodness. Um, Cause that would just be hard to hear. Um, right. Not to mention like an appropriate. So um, we went kind of back and forth on like what we were going to do for our birth plan. And that as like, we were getting close for a little bit further on, like 20 weeks, it was like becoming clear. I was like, I don't think we're going to be able to do it with midwives. So, um, we had planned to use my same doula, uh, Laura again. So I asked her for a recommendation for a physician to transfer to, um, we, um, were a little bit limited in that, um, we had to be at, um, a certain hospital. So like I had to give birth at the mother baby Minneapolis. And then, um, cause he, our son was going to be at children's Minneapolis and that's where our surgeon was. So we were a little limited in that, like, oh, we couldn't go to this hospital over there with this, you know, great naturally minded doctor, um, because if we had to be where our surgeon was, um, although we have in the Twin Cities really a wealth of options, so it wasn't a huge deal, but we, you know, had to find someone that did, that get, that did birth at this particular hospital. Um, so we met with her and transferred care at like 32 weeks. Um, and I really liked her, um, said she was, she hadn't had, hadn't attended a birth with a baby with hydrocephalus before, but did other high risk births and. She was kind of willing to kind of go along with what I wanted. Um, we were seeing her and then also doing the perinatology um, clinic. I think kind of starting at 32, I can't remember how many weeks, um, we started doing like biophysical profiles and lots of ultrasounds. We were kind of watching ventricle size and head size. Um, but I swear, like every visit I left in tears. And we had this one perinatologist that we saw several times, and she was just so pessimistic. and you know, wanted to tell me like every, you know, she really thought this baby needed a, a cesarean and, you know, was like, and he might even need a classical cesarean. You know, if their head is so big, you can't do a lower incision. You have to do an upper one vertically. And then you actually, they don't recommend even ever having a VBAC. They recommend even like early cesareans. It was like ridiculous. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so that lady made me cry every time she saw me. So <laughs> finally we she was like, let's not do any more checking until 36 weeks. And then I think maybe she just got tired of making me upset every time, but, um, <laughs> it was so rough. Um, but yeah, and we had, I had signed up to do the hip babies class a second time this time with our, um, doula Laura was also the instructor. So I'd done that before we had gotten his diagnosis. Um, I went back and forth. I'm like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, in the end, I was like, you know, if there's a chance I'm going to prepare myself. And if not, I will use those tools to try to calm myself. I have to have a cesarean. So, um, so yeah, I, we decided we were going to start the class, um, like from when he was diagnosed and, you know, really until his birth, like it was just really, uh, like aside from the acid reflux, I didn't feel too bad physically, but like, it was a really like emotional and spiritual pregnancy just with like, I felt like I was just like, all I could do was like cling to God's promises that he has a plan for me and that I will make it through. And it was just a lot like having to grieve the loss of like an out of hospital birth and 
you know, a water birth and, you know, just all, a lot of different things and the possibility of a vaginal birth too, you know, so it was a lot of um, kind of just things to process. And um, I had the, from when I first got pregnant with him, the Bible verse I've been praying over him was Psalm 139, 14. And so about, you know, every day, you know, um, like all the, all the days, days. yeah, all the days I planned for you were written in your book before one was come to be, and you know you're perfectly, wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, so that had been the Bible verse I'd been praying over him to the start, and then like as after his diagnosis, you know, a lot of other people shared that another Bible verse with me, and one of my um, girlfriends from church um, gave me um, like a list of. Um, like Bible verses and kind of affirmations that she had like prayed over her son who had had um, like a, a newborn uh, seizure diagnosis that was really quite severe, like the year before or something. So that was super special. So I spent a lot of the end of my pregnancy just like every night, like praying those prayers and affirmations over him. And um, yeah, and we like as, so we were going to have the, um, the 36 week ultrasound and like testing was going to be our big appointment to kind of determine birth plan and how big is his head. And so I was kind of very nervous up till then. I did a lot of prayer and um, I did not like food fasting, but like fasting from TV and stuff like that, just in preparation, just to prepare myself. And um, so, yeah, we came to that, to that ultrasound and it was, um, and I got to the point where I really couldn't like watch my ultrasound. So it was, I would cry. It was just, it was hard. Um, so, um, we had a different perinatologist that day, a guy, and we hadn't met him before, but he was very different and laid back, which was nice. So he checked, you know, was checking the head size and he was like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, probably this is going to need to be a cesarean. And I was like, oh. I'm like, okay, well, what was, you know, what is the estimated circumference right now? And he said, 35 centimeters. And I said, oh, 35 centimeters. My first child was 35 centimeters with a nuchal hand. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, and he's like, well, I guess, I guess you can try. And then that next week I met with my, my uh, physician, Dr. Amber, and she's like, well, so what do they say? And she's like, all he put in your go is that you could try. I'm like, well, that's what he said, you know, and I related to her and, um, and she was, you know, she was on board with me trying, you know, she said, she said, well, you know, she's like, we may want to do, you know, like vaginal exams to kind of see where he's at. Um, and then she said, um, she's like, well, and you know, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to push them out on your own. You know, you, I won't be, you know, vacuum extracting this baby. I'm like, Oh, don't worry. <laughs> That's great. No, one, no one's asking you to, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I know they are relatively frequently used in many births in the hospital, but yeah, I was like, no, and which made sense. You know, this would not be a baby to react um, just because of his head issues. So, uh, so I was just like elated. Um, they, the perinatologist did not want him born before 39 weeks. They're like, I don't care. You know, he needs to stay until 39 weeks, which I think is probably a good policy for most babies. Um, and most babies with hydrocephalus, there's a few circumstances where sometimes their head is so big that maybe they should even consider earlier, but that wasn't his case. Um, I was, I did start having quadruple labor. I can't remember, probably at 36 weeks or something. And I was like, what is this? Um, terrible. Uh, like frequently at night and, you know, getting rest. It's discouraging. So I kept on thinking, maybe he'll come and no. So, and I was going to the chiropractor and I think I did a little bit of acupuncture at the very end just to see if he'd come before my scheduled induction, but he didn't. Um, so I was scheduled for induction at 39 and one. Um, my mother-in-law had come um, 
early. My sister actually got married at like when I was 37 weeks in like five days. So I had to like, I just have to hold on to your wedding. <laughs> made it through the wedding. So my mother-in-law was there um, before he was born. And then she was going to stay for like, she might have stayed for like four to six weeks um, afterwards. So, so we were all set with our childcare plans, which was nice. Um, we went in for our induction at that morning at 39-1. And I felt like, good. like I said, I was, I really wasn't nervous about it. And I think too, like I, my expectations obviously were adjusted. Like, you know, I was just like, I'm just happy to try. And, and I wasn't, I know my husband and I were talking about the other day, like I wasn't really nervous. Like I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really nervous about like, what if, if it doesn't go right? I guess, I don't know. I just, that wasn't something I was worried about at the time. So um, we decided to have them break my water first, which now in retrospect, like I probably wouldn't do that again because it did nothing. And you know, I was GBS positive again. So it was kind of like, it probably was just a waste of time. But anyway, it, it, but it could have. That's, I mean, I totally get that. Like, let's do the thing that's not. <laughs> yeah, I was Don't trying to avoid medication. But yeah, now in retrospect, I probably would just be like, if I needed another induction, I would just do ketosis right away. But so yeah, we broke my water, walked around, walked around, nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, and so then we started Pitocin at like, so broke my water at like 11 a.m. And then started Pitocin, or maybe 9 a.m started Pitocin, I think at like 1130 and that first hour or two, I really didn't feel anything at all. Um, and I was obviously on the continuous monitors. Um, when we had, you know, checked into the hospital, um, the nurse said, I'm like, here's your gown. And I was like, oh, I'm good. You know, I've got my own clothes. And she's like, okay. Um, and she'd ask, okay, so what's your plan for pain? And I'm like, okay, not, you know, I'm doing hypnosis. Um, and she's like, are you sure? I'm like, I've had a natural birth before. I'm good. I got this. She's like, okay. And she, to her credit, she really didn't, I don't think she ever asked me again. So, um, so she was respectful of it, which was good. Um, and yeah, we had the lights dim and, um, yeah, maybe at one o'clock things started, started to feel a little bit more. I was upright most of the time. I'm either standing on the ball, like one of the, um, hypno babies imagery is um, like that your waves will feel like, you know, like a warm hug. And they really did feel like that. Um, yeah. And they actually, for encouragement for like others that may have to, um, you know, have Pitocin, like it didn't feel any different than my first birth, which was wow. unmedicated. Um, it actually felt, I think, actually, I think if anything, I, I, it was maybe less intense. I don't know if that was just the experience it once. And my nurse did say that like, you're more successful with inductions with Pitocin for like multiparous, you know, women have already had a baby because you already have more oxytocin receptors. So that may be a difference in terms of that makes sense. Second baby. But, um, but yeah, it really wasn't like that uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I felt good. And, you know, we brought our own foods. I was eating pretzels and you know, walking around and, and stuff like that. Um, and then I think we had my doula come at like six. So it's like, Oh, it's starting to get more intense. And so we were going to have her come. Um, I was, yeah, I was checked at 6.45. So I wanted, I knew because I was losing the tub, but I was like, I really want to use water if I can. And they said that I could use the shower as long as the like waterproof monitors were available. And I was like, oh, I'm sure they will be. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, it was funny because you're on the monitor and so you could see yourself on the screen in the room, like your tracings. And then also like the other people in the area, you know, they have just their bed numbers or whatever. And they all have like these perfect waveforms. I'm like, these people must be in bed with an epidural because mine's like, you know, <laughs> not good tracings. Because uh, I'm you know, up and moving around and active. Um, and actually he had, he didn't have any D-cells. He had one time where like I got, when my doula got there, she had me get on the bed, like over the peanut ball. So I was, my legs were tired and then they all came running in. And I think they're like, well, either he had a D-cell or we were picking up your heart rate. And 
they ended up being there just picking up my heart rate. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the monitors were a little bit annoying, but, um, so anyways, I was wanting to get in the shower. The first thing they had to cover up my IV, they had to put on the waterproof monitors. And I'm like, oh man, things are getting more and more intense. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to make it in the shower. So like, I just want to get in the shower. But, you know, they somehow made it. Um, so they checked me beforehand and I was at 645. I was uh, five to six centimeters and I didn't find out again. Um, and my doula did though. And I, she had talked to the doctor. The doctor's like, yep, baby's really low. He's handling everything great. So I got in the shower and that was great. Just kind of like rocked back and forth and the hot water felt awesome. I was kind of like nervous about like, I talked with her while I was at the shower. Like, what if he can't make it out? She's like, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna make it out. Um, and because I was fearful, and I don't know if I would have been so fearful if I hadn't had a legitimate reason for the fear. Um, I, I know, like, true, like, cephalopelvic uh, disproportion, I think it's called CPD, is rare, but like, we were at, truly at risk for it given his right. size. Like, most babies are not like he was. And so, um, so, anyways, I had a legitimate fear, but um, they were like, well, if you see, if you feel any pressure, you have to get out. And if there's any rectal pressure at all, you have to get out of the, of the shower. So I had one wave that was like really intense and started to go pressure. And I was like, yep, yep. So they get me out. Um, the doctor wanted to check me again. And I was at um, uh, 7.15 and I was eight to nine centimeters. And I didn't find out. And I guess I didn't remember it, um, but my will remember later. I guess my doctor asked me, she's like, are you, do you want to go to the ONR or now? Or wait, I, I hadn't mentioned that before, but part of our birth plan was they wanted me to give birth in the OR so that they have, could have the NICU team on standby or if they had to convert to a cesarean, um, all that help was there. So, which I had come to terms with an exception. So, um, and I was like, I don't know, which I didn't remember saying that. My dude was like, we need to go. <laughs> so getting the bed ready and, um, I make it so they throw a towel over me and like throw a like scrub cap on me and my husband and Julia had already changed and then so they're like starting to push this down the hall and I remember like my scrub cap's like half on my face it was just funny and I remember it was just like really intense and I was just thinking like oh someone's gonna have to do something somebody's gonna have to give me something when we get there like this is just too much and I was trying to kind of like blow raspberries just to you know do something I guess that's what I did they told me to do my first birth so I did it again and um yeah, and it was, I wasn't really having any pain. I was just having, like, you know, the sensation of, of pushing and the um, ejection reflex and just, like, really a lot of, like, stretching. Like, it felt like a, a basketball coming out of your butt. <laughs> um, and anyway, so they're, like, rushing me to the OR. It felt like it was a long way to go. And um, when we got there, you know, I feel this immense pressure and then a pop and then, um I asked I was like was that his head and then the doctor like lifts up the sheet and yep head is out and she was like turned away like no one I don't even think he was on the monitor um <laughs> that is so neat it was and then he was born like a push later so he was born at 725 um so that it was like two minutes after we got to the OR the NICU team actually wasn't there yet um, so it was just kind of a whirlwind, but, um, it was a super amazing feeling. Like I was just elated. Um, cause I think his Afghars were maybe like seven and nine. I did get to hold him for a little bit. And then, um, they brought him over to the resuscitation room, looked at him. They thought he looked good. So then they gave him back to me and I held him for a little while. He wasn't really interested in latching. Um, the doctor got the, the center out pretty quickly. Um, 
I had a, um, one thing that the doctor had, I guess, just counseled me on was, you know, she's like, you know, one thing you risk with a head size is, you know, you want, she's like, I think she said, you want a semi-intact pelvic floor, you don't want to totally wreck it, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, so that was a willing, a risk I was willing to take, but so I had just another second degree perineal tear in the same spot as before, um, and so she searched that up, and it was, I guess it should be funny because she's a surgeon, but um, I, you could definitely tell the skill difference. She was very skilled <laughs> compared to the midwife, which she should be. She's a surgeon. So right. um, I could tell like, wow, she's good at what she's doing. <laughs> um, and then my, yeah, so he didn't latch. And then um, he was going to have to go up to the NICU. That was always the plan. Um, and we knew ahead of time, like we'd done a NICU tour, you know, so that was one thing that was, I guess, nice about it is it wasn't a surprise NICU stay. It was a planned one. So I wasn't emotional about it. And so my husband was going to accompany him to the NICU. Um, and so he did. Um, of course, when he got up there, he like promptly had a low blood sugar, um, which probably like had we been together wouldn't have happened, but um, it's kind of unavoidable, I think, because he just wasn't interested in eating right away. Um, so um, he was put on like a high So, um, and then, yeah, I went, took a, took a bath. I uh, got up on my postpartum floor. Um, my parents came. I said I was just, you know, elated. I felt great. And I was, like, decently well-rested because it was daytime, you know. Right. So um, that helped. And then and then made it up to the NICU a little while later. Yeah, and it was truly, um, I think, there's so many special things about his pregnancy and birth. But, like, I, someone that had always believed in miracles, but I had never really truly witnessed one. And I think, like, his, his birth story really is a miracle. Um, and so most babies with hydrocephalus like usually need surgery to have um, a shunt put in to drain the fluid like when they're a few days old um so the neurosurgeons came by the next day and they did an MRI and then they said um that he didn't need surgery yet so that was another huge um answer to prayer we were in the NICU for five days um Mainly just actually, honestly, for blood, catching up on the blood sugars and eating. So um, they wanted me to try to like supplement a few times, um, like with donor milk. And I'd be like, show it to him. And he'd be like, not interested. I'm like, well, I guess he's okay. You know? Yeah. And for his NICU stay, I spent, um, they let me, Sue so was born Tuesday evening. They let me stay in my room until Thursday evening, which was quite nice of them. Um, so they were very generous with, uh, let me stay in my room. It's still like, you know, not an ideal situation because, you know, you have to call the assistant to wheel you, you know, up three floors to the NICU or whatever when your baby's hungry. But yeah, that was the plan. And then we did like maybe like two nights at the Ronald McDonald house, which is inside the hospital kind of hotel like rooms kind of to stay. Um, and then the last night I did at his bedside, but it was, it, it was what it had to be, but it wasn't an ideal in terms of like, I was just up more than I wanted to be sitting and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so we went home uh, day five. And, yeah, like I said, that postpartum overall, I think, was was easier. He was otherwise a good eater. And then we had my mother-in-law um, here, which was just awesome. She, like, cooked. She cleaned. She um, helped take care of our oldest. It was it was really wonderful. So um, it went well. We had all this follow-up with all the specialists, like his um, – the neurosurgeon and the genetics and neurologist and pediatrician with the plan was just to kind of watch his head size um, and his brain scans. Um, so we were kind of watching head circumference at the two month check. They're kind of like, yeah, let's still hold and wait. Um, 
I was concerned after that at like three months. I was like, he still can't lift up his head. You know, his head looks a little, I mean, he had a big head, but his head was looking even larger. So I brought him in and um, the pediatrician measured him and sure enough, he had like jumped. His head circumference had really jumped. And um, so we saw a neurosurgeon and scan him. I'm like, yeah, I think it's time. So, and that was kind of another um, miracle God story because, um, so he was born November of 19. And so when I brought him in, it was probably late February of 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. And his surgery was scheduled uh, March 13th of 2020. And so if we had waited like a week or two, his surgery would have been canceled because yeah. they canceled surgeries like two weeks later. And that would have been his and which is ridiculous and wrong. But yeah, it still gets me upset thinking about it. Like he could have had even further developmental delays if we had waited. Yeah. Um, so, but God knew, you know, so um, yeah, so he had his surgery placed and that went really smoothly. And we put the, um, the shunt in from his brain and the tube to kind of drain to the peritoneum and um, that went well. So um, yeah, and he he's two and three quarters now. So right. he's, he did the, um, so hydrocephalus is like a lifelong diagnosis and condition. Um, well, really surgical options are really our only way to treat, only way to treat it. Um, fortunately, we have those, the options are actually relatively new. They, um, like we still have the first generation of shunted patients in the United States right now, which started in the 1950s. So uh, prior to that, and or in other parts of the world today, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's a death sentence. So um, very thankful for where we were placed mm-hmm. uh, to have access to care. So, um, so yeah, he, they, the shunts have a, like in the first year of life, especially when you're placing it on like newborns or infants, they have like a 50, 50% chance of failing. And so his failed a week shy of one year. So when he was 16 months old, he started having vomiting and the first were like, oh, it's just a stomach bug. And they continued. And then he progressively like became, started getting lethargic. Um, but, you know, again, they took him to the ER and uh, it was a Friday. And fortunately, like his surgeon, Dr. Nagib, who's wonderful, um, was able there and able to operate and it went smoothly. So, and now um, he's been like, that was March of 21. So he's been almost a year and a half now without any surgeries. So, um, which is a blessing. So, and it went well. And he, yeah, he's just the sweetest little boy. He's two and three quarters now. And uh, he's had uh, mainly just kind of motor developmental delays. So he like didn't walk or he didn't crawl until 15 months. He didn't walk until 21 months. Um, he started running a couple months ago at over two. Um, and he, he was in, he'd been in physical therapy and things like that. And then after he was one, he had really good growth till he was one. And then after from one to two and beyond, he's had growth deceleration. So he's now like first percentile. So he's seeing an endocrinologist for like a probable growth hormone type issue. But so he's like a little, a little peanut now, but uh, a little peanut just, babe, <laughs> but yeah, but cognitively has been doing great. So he's, oh. he's such a blessing. so, so yeah, that's, that's Dalton's birth story. So. Wow. Okay. So, and you said he's two and three quarters. So what was it like becoming pregnant after, especially after experiencing a, a surprising diagnosis during a previous pregnancy? What did that feel like for you? It was, um, it was good. It was, um, he was in spite of the medical things, he was actually easier than our first child. If you Mm -hmm. can believe um, some of it just might, and maybe it's just your first child, but my first child cried so much. And now I think it's just, 
he's vocal like he talks all day long now at five and three quarters so i think it was just his personality but it was hard as a new parent um but yeah so we actually i was wanting to get pregnant um like even like when he was eager i was like not wanting to get pregnant right then but i was like went to another baby be nice so you know i definitely got onto the idea a lot sooner than i did with uh, after may 1st um but yeah we um with we had done like genetic testing after Dalton was born and he, it didn't seem to be genetic. So I wasn't really worried about having it happen again. Um, so I didn't really have that, those worries. Um, for me, like if I'm breastfeeding, my periods don't come back like at all. So I kept on like hoping like maybe cause I didn't necessarily want to wait until he was all the way to two to get pregnant again. Um, so I was trying to see, but, um, I had to wean him. So we never like 20 months, I think. Um, and then got pregnant like maybe two months later or something. So, um, I will say, so at, when I was starting to think about getting pregnant again, I was trying to think about, okay, where do I want from, what are my options for, you know, what kind of care do I want? I knew I wouldn't go back to the hospital unless, um, I had to. Um, and I was like, I think I was looking back before we were, well, I think when I was not pregnant yet, but I was, you know, starting to the process to think about it. I was like looking at the birth center to see, you know, what providers were there where we'd been before. And it was only been like two years, maybe even under. And there was only one midwife from before. Like they wow. had, I said, how can you have that much turnover? And I guess my midwife later said that I guess a lot of our birth centers in the area do have a lot of turnover, but I was just put off by that. I was like, how is there all new people? And they have a lot. I mean, they've got maybe, they even have 15 people there now. It's So it's a big group. And it was just, I'm like, that's just not really what I want. Like, mm -hmm. I liked getting to know my doctor for Dalton's birth. And, you know, the idea of something one-on-one -on -one was attractive. I had said, like, once kind of as an aside, like, with, with uh, Dalton, Dalton's birth, like, kind of a, maybe next time I'll just have a home birth, like, after all this medical intervention. But I wasn't certainly set on it then um, until my uh, doula actually um, she was the one who actually like said, well, why don't you have a home birth? And that kind of stuff. I was like, oh. Um, so I hadn't like done any looking into it. But from that, I was like, okay, well, now I have to do all the research. Um, so then I started reading whatever I could find about it, you know, like the mana stats, different studies, you know, going into detail about the different, actually some of the breakdown mana stat studies were really cool. Like, yeah. you know, reading. They really are. Like, yeah. Like, okay. So if you look specifically at these group of people, like, what do we think? And, you know, um, if we take out twins, you know, if we take out this, you know, you know, feedback stats versus not, you know, it was just interesting. So I did a lot of searching. Um, I did watch why not home. I've actually never seen the business of being born. I know everyone's seen that, but I have not. <laughs> um, but why not home was, was a good one to me. I liked that when it comes from a, like their medical providers too, which is like what I am. So that was something that was like, Oh, interesting. Um, so when she had, um, I was, I had had nurse midwives at the birth center where I was at before. So I was interested in finding another nurse midwife. Um, I think now that I knew more about CPMs, I'd be comfortable with them, but I didn't know as much about all their training. Um, and so I kind of wanted to be able to say like, the family members and things like this. This is the same level of care, you know, just a different location, you know. So there's one nurse midwife in our area in the Twin Cities who does home births and her name is Carrie and she's wonderful. So I met her for a, a preconception visit um, and then and really liked her. And then, so like I texted her as soon as I had a positive pregnancy test and um, 
She's like, wow, you're really on top of things. I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah. So then we got, um, got set up with her. Um, I was, yeah, I was worried about my acid reflux coming back, but it didn't, uh, not until like later in pregnancy. So that was a blessing. Um, I did have a lot again, like, um, like the SPD pain, like from like 12 weeks on, you know, it was, and it was worse his pregnancy, but, um, otherwise, yeah, in the morning, sometimes I felt good. He was like, since Dalton was obviously born pre COVID, like he was our only pregnancy, you know, post, you know, in pandemic world, um, which was a little bit hard. Well, when I got pregnant with him, oh, it was, Oh, it was August when I think when I got pregnant with him. So we'd actually just come out of the summer where things were looking good before Delta made it. <laughs> um, so like that, that fall and winter of my pregnancy were kind of hard just because it was um, like the Delta wave of COVID was so bad in my job. Like as a nurse practitioner, I you know, had to see people and testing and, and just too, like I felt a big burden of like, I need to stay healthy for my patients. You know, I need to stay healthy for my baby. And it made me a little bit neurotic and... I, in like November, December, I had six patients that died, you know, so it was just, it was just hard and emotional, but, um, we did end up getting COVID Omicron in January when I was 23 weeks pregnant. So, but we were all fine. So it was just, you know, not too bad. Um, I think what else about his pregnancy? A lot of it was just, you know, being tired and then just my pelvis was so bad. It was just a lot of pains. Um, and yeah, in terms of, we like hadn't kept our home birth a secret, but like I had talked about like, oh, I'm my midwife. And so I think my family was giving birth at home or at the hospital, but they didn't really ask until like, I don't know, it was late. Like it might've been 30 some weeks already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was like, well, I'm, part of me was like a little bit nervous, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to own it. Cause like I, when I had a birth center birth, like I just owned that. I didn't even think like, twice about telling people. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to own this. And and it went well. Um, my mom asked some questions like, well, why not the birth center? And I kind of told her why, you know. Um, but really, they, I didn't get too much. I didn't get too much grief about it. Um, and I had told like some of my colleagues about it. Didn't hear much. So, so yeah, it was. Um, yeah, otherwise we felt pretty um, supported in our decision and whatnot. So, um, I did have patrolmal labor again. <laughs> like the worst um maybe starting at like 35 weeks um and I had it I mean sometimes even like every other night it was rough. Shh, it's okay. um and uh otherwise I was like planning to work up until my due date um I did so I, I had done hypnobabies classes like twice with my first two pregnancies this pregnancy I was like well I'm not gonna do a class but you know I did my practice for that um, and then I also did, um, yeah, I listened to a lot of your birth stories on the podcast. I did that earlier in my pregnancy. Um, I didn't listen, I think the second half, because sometimes hypnobabies recommends like not doing too many birth stories so that you're just not getting too many other ideas in your head. Cause sometimes they'd be like, Oh, people are talking about crowning is painful. I'm like, is it going to hurt for me? It never hurt before, you know? So, um, so I didn't do any birth stories kind of the second half just to kind of keep my mind clear. Um, but yeah, otherwise I was like super excited to get everything planned. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was fun, but it was also like all the things that like, you didn't have to do with before. Like, oh, you have to get like 
tub ready and oh, you'd have to get a space, you know, get the things and <laughs> just the preparation. It was just different, um, but um, we enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, so I had patrol labor kind of towards the end. Um, I had a really like bad night at like, I think it was 38 weeks where it was like five hours overnight. And I was like, okay, surely this has got to be it. And then, so I call, you know, I was, you know, up, so I couldn't go to work, so I call in and, and then nothing, you know, so I called my, my midwife that morning in tears and I was just like, I can't do this. And, you know, it was just exhausting physically and mentally and, and all that. So I, um, it was, I, just, I was like, what do I do? And she's like, you know, I think you need to stop working. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I was just not ready to hear that. I mean, not that I didn't want to stop working, but. I was worried, you know, I would have to cut my maternity leave short or things mm -hmm. like that. So, um, but again, God is good. And I, um, talked to my manager and she's like, well, if it's medically recommended, then this could be a medical leave and then your maternity leave can be separate. And I was like, wow. So that's what we did. So wow, that's um, great. So, yeah. So I got to then stay home, which was good. But then also then you have the, like, why are you not here, baby? Why haven't you been born? Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, and I think too, when you have your first baby come early, it like ruins you for everything. Yeah, for I think so. Because <laughs> he was at 38 and zero, and then I was still pregnant at 39 and one adult when I was induced. So I was, and I was like trying to plan, like plan for 40 weeks, plan for 40 weeks, but you know, in your heart, you're like, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're like, I'm having all this padromal labor, surely they'll be, you know, 38. No. <laughs> so, but I was doing at, at 39 weeks, I did have my midwife do a membrane sweep. I was going to the chiropractor regularly. I started doing some acupuncture. Um, so yeah, she swept my membrane at like 39 and one. And then like the next day or two, I did lose my mucus plug. Um, and then at 39 and four, I um, went to, you know, God was going to bed and then it was like 1030 and then my water broke and I was like, I'm like, why am I all wet? And I was like, oh my gosh, my water broke. So it was interesting. It was a I think a smaller leak than like my first, I like broke and then it like, you know, kept on like losing water the whole time with auto. Um, I lost some and then it would just be tiny amounts other times. So I think it was just a little leak, but anyways, um, this pregnancy, surprisingly, I was actually GBS negative. So, um, I was happy to hear that. Um, so I had, I had like let my birth team know that night and I'm like going, you know, going to bed and I was like, well, probably not having it, but do it probably tomorrow. So, we went to bed and I wasn't really having any weights or anything and woke up the next morning and had my parents come take the boys. Um, I had been like reading more, more up about premature rupture of membranes and, um, and which in retrospect made me kind of frustrated because like a lot of the current research, like you read on evidence-based birth, um, the, um, you know, especially if there's no sign of infection, like you could wait, you know, 48 to 72 hours. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, you worried me sick for a night. Right. <laughs> like I could have slept, you know, mm -hmm. but anyways, you learn. Um, so, so I wasn't like nervous or, you know, feeling like rushed around the timeline. We had an appointment that day. So we went and saw our midwife and she, you know, kind of talked about what the plan would be. Um, kind of went about our day, kind of had some waves off and on. I'd actually also been doing like using a breast pump first, like three times a day for a couple days also to try to get things going. So I did that, um, 
that evening, Angela's like, just I'm like, what should I try to do? She's like, why don't you just relax? Why don't you just like watch a movie and you know, maybe that'll get things going. And I knew like, well, statistically, most babies are born within like 24 hours. So I'm like, probably tonight. So I had some like waves during the movie, but nothing really to, to write home about. Um, so we went to bed and I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. Woke up at midnight to like some intense waves. I'm like, all right, this is it. And uh, we waited a little while. Um, probably maybe like an hour before I told my husband and then had him start filling up the tub and he's filling it up. And then at about two o'clock, so after about two hours, I had this really intense one and then they just stopped. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, what? And then I was like, well, I guess, you know, I should try to get sleep. And, um, yeah, so my, my husband had gotten the tub filled. I was like, oh man, but he covered it with like a tarp and then two blankets. And I'm like, well, we'll just see what it's like in the morning. I went to sleep and oh yeah, woke up and it was seven. I'm like, man. <laughs> so I called my midnight like right at seven on the dot. And she's like, I can tell you're probably not happy if you're calling me right at seven on the dot. I'm like, you're right, I'm not. <laughs> Look, I waited until a socially acceptable hour to call you. <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah, okay, like let's talk about what her options are. Um, I had told her to like early on in my pregnancy that I was hoping to have like a daytime birth and she laughed. She's like, Oh yeah, that never happens. But I did get a daytime birth. So nice. Jokes on her. Um, and she was like, well, our options are we could do like a membrane sweep, a really intense one, or you could do like the midwife, midwife brew with castor oil. Um, and I didn't want a membrane sweep. So I was like, you know, I don't want to risk infection and I'm not sure it would work anyway. Um, but I've had good response with castor oil with my first. So, um, I was all, all up for that. So I sent my husband out to get things. So ours was orange juice, peanut butter, and then, uh, the castor oil. So he got back with that around like 8.45 and I took it. Um, and then I started having like loose tools at like maybe like 11.30, 11.45. Um, and then I started to feel kind of some more regular waves around 12.30. Um, it was, so my, his birthday's May 6th, uh, in Minnesota, we'd had this really, and spring is never nice here, but we'd had this really long winter. And so April had been like cold and rainy and snowy. And so we had joked like, he's waiting for it to be sunny. <laughs> and that day was just 70 and gorgeous and sunny and it was a light breeze. Um, so it was just, that was just getting us back. It was just a beautiful day. So, um. So yeah, I was told my husband around like 12 or 12 or 5, I was like, you know, it would have been kind of intense. Like, you know, I don't, maybe we should call him. And so he called our doula and she was just about to go to like a play for her, one of her kids. So she's like, I'll turn around and come. And um, I had decided to have a birth photographer this time, which I'd never done before, but I was like, this is a gift to myself. And my husband's like, okay, I never heard of that before, but all right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and our birth photographer actually had been really sick that week with a high fever. So we actually had a backup that we hadn't met before, but it worked out fine. And then yeah, I called the midwife. And so then they got there around maybe like 1 30 or so. And I was feeling good. Like I said, I was feeling good in between waves. I was um kind of walking on the ball. Um one of my I I hadn't had photography with my first two, but my doula had taken a few photos. Um in both of those though like I was not wearing anything and which is fine. But um then I was my, one of my goals for this birth was like, I'm going to be wearing bathing suit tops so I can share these photos with some people. <laughs> a little thing. Too. So 
Um, so I was like, I'm going to put this top on before it gets too intense. So I put my bathing suit top on <laughs> underneath my little like nightgown I was wearing. Um, yeah, so they got there, but I was feeling really good. My um, my doula had me like walk around, I sat on the ball because that kind of felt, I don't know, I feel like whenever I'm in I don't know, labor, like my mind is like, okay, do things that are more productive. So I'm like, this ball feels more comfortable, must be more productive. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but that's my mind's like, yes. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was really nice. It was laid back. Um, she did, you know, intermittent monitoring of the baby and, um, yeah, it just kind of felt like a gathering of friends. It was like it was sunny. There was like one of our neighbors was, I don't know what they were doing, but they had this like classic rock playing like all afternoon really loudly. So we could like hear it. So it was just kind of funny. We we're like, do you want me to shut the windows? I'm like, no, it's fine. This real like Hypno Babies track plus like classic rock. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and um, like I said, the pool, right? We had the birth uh, tub in our living room. We called it like my husband's like tub baby because he was like happy to take care of it checking temperature and then actually um we worried initially you know with being filled so early it was gonna be too cold it was actually too hot um so <laughs> when it came time we actually had to like put ice in it wow but he apparently did a really good job keeping it hot but uh yeah i was back and forth to the bathroom a lot because of the castor oil um and at one point my dad was like well or my dealer was like well maybe we could try like getting in the shower and i was like i don't know like i was feeling like things were getting more intense my waves, um, I would say, felt very similar to all three of my births. Um, I felt like they were a little bit more manageable, actually, so they were a little bit easier than they were the easiest, probably. Um, my doula did a good job of, like, helping me relax and kind of, like, breathe, you know, like, kind of really relax and kind of breathe them down, not kind of be tensing up too much. And uh, my pelvis, I did have one that was, like, really intense and, like, kind of felt like it was a little bit downward. I remember, like, kind of brought tears to my eyes being like, oh, like, things are intensifying. Um, so after I went to the bathroom that time, so before I went to bed, she was like, let's maybe think about the shower. And then I was like, and then she's like, wait, no, no, not the shower. Let's go to the tub. And I was like, yes, yes, let's get in the tub. So I got in the tub and it felt awesome. I did like lay back for a minute, kind of reclined, but then I was like, no, that's not a productive position. I mean, they're being a better position. I mean, I don't know why I was judging my positions, but I was. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to be on my knees and like, you know, kneeling over the side of the tub. That's a better position. <laughs> Whatever. That's what I thought I needed to do in the time. So, um, so yeah, and it felt, like I said, it felt really good. I did have to get in and out several times. I don't know how many times I got in and out of that tub to go to the bathroom <laughs> several times. That cast oil um, worked, baby. <laughs> it did. It did. I know. And it, it was just kind of funny. And I remember one time I like got hit with a wave, like mid leg over the tub. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> This is not how we should be, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, they were saying that like, this is probably really good for your pelvis, all this asymmetrical movements to bring baby down. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I was kind of back and forth, back and forth, but the water felt good. Um, yeah. And then, and I think my, or my midwife had said like, well, it might be a, don't be surprised if there's like a lull, you know, when you get in, um, that's okay. If, you, if there wasn't, I don't think a big one, but. Um, yeah, and then kind of those last few minutes, it was like starting to have just a lot of like intense waves, like one on top of another. And I was like, just trying to feel scared. And so I, um, and I told myself, just tell them. So I, I told my doula, like, I'm scared. And it was so sweet. She has it on video. She's like, I don't know what she says to me, but she's like very calmly, like telling me something and like moving my hair. And it, she's just the sweetest. You know, she just has a very calm and, 
um, just her being there is relaxing to me. You know, so I, part of the time I was just like holding her hand as, you know, waves were just like tearing through me and um, just trying to hold on. I hadn't been super vocal, I think, with his birth. And then towards the end, I like couldn't even make noise. Like some of those, those last two minutes, it was just like so intense. Um, but um, with my first two babies, when I had gotten, like I had, you know, very intense and uncomfortable waves, like getting to being complete. But then once I was complete, I didn't have any more pain. It was just all like bearing down. With him, um, I actually never had any cervical checks, which was awesome. Um, but like my midwife estimated, like when I was complete, she had it written down when she thinks it was um, based off the line or whatever. And, um, so, but with him, it was different. Like it was just kind of nonstop waves and pressure. And I was, I think so for like maybe a little bit, I was a little bit like holding on. I was trying to kind of like rise up out of the pool and like keep your bottom down. And, um, I think I was worried about like pooping in the pool. Like I didn't mind like Dalton's birth, like, okay, whatever. If I'm out of the bed, I don't care. But I was worried about the water. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that was a little hard made it a little bit hard for me to relax, but, um, but yeah, eventually, like, so yeah, he came like barreling out and, um, with my first two, when their heads were out, I had like complete relief with him, his head was out and I did not have relief. I was uh-huh. like, it was still so uncomfortable. And afterwards, my midwife said that he's a very big baby. So she thinks that maybe like his shoulder was just like by my pubic bone still. And that was a lot of pressure. He wasn't stuck, but, um, but that was probably what I was feeling. Cause I was like, like try to reach down for your baby and I was like I can't I can't like I can't move yeah no I was like no I can't and then another wave came and a push and then he was out and um yeah he my first two were my first rainer was six pounds 15 ounces and 19 and a half inches and then Dalton was seven five and 19 inches and Otto was nine pounds one ounce and 22 inches Woo, so, baby I know, it's like it's this giant baby wow what a so different that was part yeah. So, and I told my team like, which was like funny because it was with Dalton's birth. I'm like, everything was fine until like the last half hour. And then I said for him, I was like, everything was fine until like the last five minutes. Like early afterwards, like I was a little bit disappointed. And I think some of it was maybe like, I just had too high of expectations of like, none of it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like, okay, well, maybe that wasn't realistic. Like, and of course, like there are people that birth for hours. So, you know, this is just me whining. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, getting in your head. I mean, you, that, that happens to the best of us sometimes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like initially I was just like, but I think it would be that uncomfortable at the end, you know, and because it was different too, like the other boys didn't hurt at all to push out, you know? So yeah. I had like a little bit of just like minor disappointment, like right after he was born. But as I reflected more on it, like, okay, well with Dalton's birth, there was like a half hour that I felt was intense. And then with Otto, it was five minutes, but you can do five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I just feel like every single birth just provides the lessons, you know, the lessons that we need for motherhood. And yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, and really, obviously when you think about it, you're like, oh my gosh, it really, it was just five minutes. Like that's kind of amazing. But, but just kind of wrapping your brain around that can be a whole thing. Well, and it's, I think too, sometimes you forget the intensity at the end where you're like, whoa, it is like, even if it's not, you know, it's a good thing. And if not, you would do it again. It's still like very intense. And so oh, yeah. I think it was just a little bit like taken aback by that, but my duo like caught on video the last part of it. And it's my, my midwife have written down like six minutes, like of pushing, although I think six minutes was from like when she thought it was complete, but like when I watched my video, it was like a minute and a half. So, I mean, no complaints here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, wow. but he was, the poor thing was 
his well the one side of his face is so bruised up because I remember it's like he must have hit your safety really fast just so he was yeah. like, <laughs> poor thing so God. he was a very bruised baby oh. um, and he actually also had a nuchal hand um so <laughs> my midwife said afterwards she's like I wish everyone had your pelvis she's like you can probably park a car in there it's just nice and round I'm like yeah <laughs> probably so um, which is maybe why they have room to get their hands in there because yeah. um, there's space. But um, so, yeah, I was, so I was in the tub and then they had me, um, so we, I held him for a little while and then waited for the cord to stop um, pulsing and then um, stood up, tried to see if I could put a placenta. I'm like, nothing. We're like, okay, that's fine. Um, I did do a shot of toasting because I wanted to do that. And we got out, went to the bed um, and then I had, um, yeah, I laid down on the bed and was, yeah, he nursed right away. He was a great eater. And uh, so that was wonderful. Um, after a little while, my midwife was like, so it's been 45 minutes. And I was like, what? She's like, it's been 45 minutes. Her placenta's not here. And I was like, oh, wow. And she's like, I, you know, can I help? And I'm like, oh yeah, you can help. You know, it's a while. So um, she did some fundal massage and then a little gentle traction and then it came out. So and it otherwise it was fine, but it was like this big placenta. My second um baby we his placenta was actually sent to pathology because of his condition and being born in the hospital so he actually had an abnormally small one like less than 10 percentile which is wow an interesting fact um yeah and then she examined me i actually didn't have any tearing which was like shocked by um because i had i had fully prepared myself too so i'm like well i you know it's hard when you have babies that come out in a matter of minutes with big heads like you can mm-hmm. you know you can only ask for so much but so i was like floored by that now if that was finally having a true water birth, or I had also done like um, college in this pregnancy or the combo, who knows, but I was thankful for that. So yeah, yeah, it wow. was, yeah, it was beautiful. So, um, and then we had a postpartum, she came at 24 hours and three days and seven days. Um, like I did, and I, I wanted to be really intentional about rest this time. Cause I hadn't, excuse me, hadn't been able to do it with my second. Mm-hmm. So the Nikki's day, my first, I just didn't know. So right. I wanted to do like the five days in bed, five days like on the couch, five days at home. So I was really intentional about that. Um, so we didn't have to leave our house until like he was 13 days old when we went to his uh, like first appointment. Um, so that was like a huge, a huge difference. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But like I said, yeah, it was really, um, yeah, I was really blessed that it all turned out well. And like I said, the other postpartum was, was really good. It was my mother-in-law came when he was like 12 days old and then she stayed with us for like maybe five weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, one other funny thing I had, so I had an ultrasound, um, at 30 weeks, like to, for follow-up of COVID and they estimated him at 30th percentile. And then somehow when he was born, he was 90th percentile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not boy. sure what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he grew a lot or if it was just inaccurate because right. I made 20 week ultrasound too. He was like 30th percentile. So um, wow. I don't know, but <laughs> that is so interesting. Gosh, oh, yeah. Jocelyn, what a, what a variation of birth stories, <laughs> yeah. you know? what a big variation of experiences from a birth center, which a really quick birth with your first. And mm-hmm. then really, you know, just an intense situation that turned out wonderfully, you know, it turned out well, but, but certainly intense with your second. Um, mm-hmm. I love hearing how you did advocate for yourself and you, you know, mm-hmm. you, said like, and I, I can push that baby out. Like (laughs) I can try. Um, and then finally getting your water birth with your third, just Mm -hmm. 
just incredible. What, as we, as we, you know, wrap up, what do you feel like are some key takeaways for the listeners that, you know, that you've learned? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of, so I'm proud of all three of my births, obviously, and they're all different. Um, Dalton's birth is probably the one I'm most proud of in some ways, just because like I had to overcome so much and advocate for myself. And it was just a, you know, a miracle story. And so I'd say if you're someone facing, you know, a birth that's more high risk than you initially wanted or planned that, you know, there's still a lot that you can do to make it yours. Like, even if you are in the hospital setting, if you are in the OR, if you have, you know, have to do a medical induction for real reasons that there's ways to make it your own. Uh, and some of it too, just learning, you know, getting your advice from your doctors, but then also kind of weighing that for you and, you know, making that choice, you know, they can give you the advice, but like you're the one ultimately who has to live with that. I think sometimes too, if I, you know, had just said like, sure, you're signing up for cesarean, you know, how would that have impacted my future births? And, you know, especially when it wasn't necessary, you know, in the end, we found out. So, you know, um, I would say that just kind of advocating for yourself and, um, and too, that like, you can, you can still have, you know, an empowering birth in, in alternative setting that you maybe didn't initially plan. Um, and I think some of that with like the right support, and then you just kind of learning what's important to you, you know, how can I make this birth my own in a different setting, whether it's, you know, I can't have a lot of birth, but you know, I could be in the shower or, you know, whatever that might be like with my second. Um, yeah. So I think I'd say that'd be one big takeaway. And then my other two, I think with my third, you know, it was really kind of like the perfect birth that I wish everyone could have, you know? So, um, I'm blessed that it went well. And I think a lot of that, it's some of that was preparation and, you know, there's always a little bit of luck. Um, and some of it too, I think, um, if you're fortunate enough to just like have to be able to prepare for postpartum and have help, it makes such a difference, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and just like for that focus on healing, I think it just, it just makes a world of difference to just starting motherhood. And, um, I, with my first, um, and now I tell everyone I know who's pregnant, <laughs> like, especially if they're involved in a church community, like join your mom's group before you are, have your baby. Like I did with my first, and now I've had friends that have, and I'm like, it's such a good idea. Cause then you have that community around you. Like I didn't do that with my first. And so I didn't really know a ton of like other moms at that time. And so it wasn't until he was like three months old that I could even venture out of the house, you know, much. Right. And so I think that's always, you know, if you don't have a strong like, community, that our, our moms already like doing that prenatally for your first is just such a good idea. And I wish I would. So I tell that to people now. <laughs> Love that. Oh man, Jocelyn, this was so insightful. And I think that so many moms are going to gain so much from your experiences. I am so grateful that you were willing to share. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Wow, what a story. As we head into this week's episode roundup, one particular thought really stands out to me. I'm struck by Jocelyn's ability to keep positive and to advocate for herself when her birth plans changed after a diagnosis of hydrocephaly with her second son. She could have been bullied out of her plans, but she remained strong and pushed for what she desired. In the end, she saw that her strength paid off, and she was able to avoid an unnecessary C-section. Your thoughts, opinions, and desires do matter, and it would seem that some obstetricians tend to lean towards no instead of yes. 
With this in mind, remember that you are always the one in charge of your care and you do have options. Now, sometimes we may not like our options. I'm sure Jocelyn would have preferred to have the original birth she desired, but within the context of her situation, she still made the best of that situation and made the decisions that were best for herself and her baby. You can do the same too. All right, my friends, that is all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.